0: Welcome to the Deepwater Podcast. I'm Dave Mercer. I'm James Judd. And our goal on this podcast is to learn to make disciples the way Jesus made disciples. Yes, sir. Well, welcome to another episode. I am so excited that you're here with us today. Today, we're with John again, and I wanted to pick his brain. well Today you just hear so many things about Millennials. We don't know what we're going to do with Millennials. Businesses don't know what we're going to do with Millennials. Churches don't know what we're going to do with Millennials. And John works with Millennials every day. And so I thought I'd pick his brain about it. There were some really interesting things he said. And hey, if you're over 60, definitely perk up your ears. Here's John and I. A lot of people my age and up, you hear a lot of talk about Millennials and blah, blah, blah. And they're... You know, whatever they're the they're the death of America. They're you know they're this. They don't do this. They don't. Do this. You deal with millennials all day. What would you tell people in the church about working reaching with millennials? Minis- yeah, reaching them, ministering to them, discipling them. What would you tell me?
1: <laughs> yeah, first I I would say a lot of the media stuff is hype, a uh, sensationalism. You know, media loves a sensational story. Um, so one of the quote-unquote key characteristics of millennials is that they're lazy or that they feel entitled and culturally speaking statistically speaking that may be a little more true than other groups but what i've found is millennials tend to be really hard working for things that they're passionate about that's the mm-hmm. distinction is that they might not care about this job and so they won't Give it their best because they have something else that they really care about that they want to give their best to. So, in one sense, I think that's almost a better, a better work ethic than, than you know, you just slave away at this job that you don't care about. Now, I mean, practically speaking, that works itself out into other problems and and other things. But I think it's just not true that that millennials are lazy. They, they work really hard at things that they really care about. And especially this new generation that's coming up, the freshmen and and sophomores in the last one or two years, they saw their parents struggling through the the recession in the, mm-hmm. or, you know, the oh, the 2000s. Um. So they definitely do not have an idea of like, I'm entitled to anything. They're, uh, if anything, their mentality is more of a sense of like, if I want something, I'm going to have to work really hard to get it because nobody's going to, Give it, Give it to, it me. to me, right? Mm-hmm. In fact, I might have to fight somebody for it. <laughs> um, so I think already we're starting to see a little bit of a shift in that sense uh but millennials I know they're entering the workplace now and they're the young young adult professionals um all over the place now um I think they need to be in my experience, they need to be passionate about something mm-hmm. and they're willing to do whatever it takes to succeed in what they're passionate about. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of them really care about social issues in a way that older generations, as a generality, may not have cared about. They really care about uh, changing the way the world works. Um, They see inequality or they see see injustice and they want to change it. They want to fix it. So, there was a point in, in our ministry where we would, one of the outreaches we had was to say, hey, we're going to go feed the homeless and make it a general invitation to I anybody see. on campus. Uh huh. Um, and then we would have discussions afterwards that were like, wow, I didn't realize Christians cared about homeless people. Mm. Um, stuff like that, right? <laughs> so um, the people we were getting were just people who cared about that. Now, again, that's a generality. So you definitely meet people who just don't care. They just want to, like, get through school and, like, don't talk to me about other people because I don't care (laughs) about other people. Like, you know, it's always a a spectrum mix. One of the really encouraging things, some info I got recently was uh, somebody had done some cross-generational studies and had realized that every generation in the last 120 years had said that the next generation was lazy and unwilling to work and mm-hmm. going to be the death of society. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think that's kind of funny because it shows that that's, that in itself is, it? is, is an age thing and not a generational yeah. thing. Right? Uh-huh. So yeah. every generation thinks that the next generation is the death of society, <laughs> apparently. Uh-huh. So don't believe anybody who says that. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: when, when they describe characteristics, you got to remember this is a generality about. So not everybody's going to fit these characteristics. Mm-hmm. And especially now, because America is so international and so multicultural, there's been a shift in the last 20 years. America is no longer this homogenous, you know, white culture society that we once thought that we had. We never really had, but we thought that we had this kind of, you know, one, one society. Um, any big city in America is going to be full of international immigrants and People who are born and raised in America, um, whose parents or grandparents were immigrants. So there's, there's no quote unquote American culture or quote unquote millennial culture. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all coming from different backgrounds and experiences and that all affects. And so yeah, okay. There might be statistically speaking some generalities, but every person you meet is going to be different. Yeah. And, and one of the studies showed that the, the highest uh, influence on a person's political leanings was their parents. Surprisingly, millennials—we're talking about millennials. millennials uh-huh. So if you're raised in a strong Republican family, you are more likely to be Republican. If you're raised in a strong Democrat family, you're more likely to become Democrat. Yeah. Um, so what that tells me, if I sort of extrapolate that out of politics, because I don't really, I don't really care too much about that aspect of it. What I care about is like, what are the values? that the millennials are learning who well, they're learning it surprisingly right. from their parents, mm-hmm. which like, surprise, surprise, that's been the truth from all time. All right. Time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I say that to give parents who are listening, a a, a, hope. a hope and an encouragement because what you teach your kids, they're going to hold on to most likely later in life. Yeah. And, and like, again, that's a generality is statistically speaking, but generally speaking, your, your kids are going to have the same values that you have if you work hard to teach them those values.
0: Yeah. And if you live them um, with what you teach, is matches how you live. Yeah. Yes, you know.
1: exactly. I think that's, that's really important. That's key. So now that I've said don't generalize, I'm going to give you four generalizations. <laughs> <laughs> LifeWay did a study in 2000, I think it was 2012. It might have been later, but I think it was 2012, that I think is still really true. They found millennials were searching in a church. They were searching for four things. They were searching for, um, what they called real. So people who Mm were transparent and honest. They weren't trying to put up a fake facade. They were actually genuine, real, authentic is the word the study used. Mm -hmm. So authentic. They were looking for authentic churches, authentic people. Um, they were looking for, uh, responsibility. So churches and people that cared about their community, that Mm -hmm. cared about the, actual community of the church so you're having a problem and i really care about that so i'm going to take responsibility and help you with this problem but not just in the church the community around so i I see there's social problems that we have so we're going to work to help this community improve Mm -hmm. Um, one of them was um oh i'm blanking on the third one right now i should have looked this up before oh connection uh Mm-hmm. So the third one is connection. So they were looking for genuine connections with older people. This was the one that uh, surprised uh-huh. me the most. Um, and in fact, the older you are, the better, in, in that the study found. So they're looking for grandmas and grandpas and up uh-huh. that that are willing to genuinely connect to them, invite them to their house for dinner, teach them how to change a pipe under a sink, teach them uh-huh. how to change a tire. Teach them how to cook a healthy meal. Uh huh. You know, how do you re- use a checkbook? How do you do all these mm-hmm. life skills? How do you have a marriage that lasts for 50 years? Mm-hmm. Millennials are looking for a genuine connection with older people who can teach them those things. Mm-hmm. Um, so whenever I speak to a church about college ministry, I always say, if you're, if you're 60 and up in this crowd, we need you. We uh-huh. need your help in college ministry because most old people think young people don't want to hang out with me. They don't, mm-hmm. I, you know, they don't care what I have to say. They really want to hear from you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so the people who have the biggest um, impact in our ministry at PCM are people who are retired agent up mm-hmm. who come and hang out late on a Tuesday night.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if you're listening to this and you're a grandma and you're worried about your (laughs) grandkids, spend time with your grandkids. And Uh, I think I will add this one caveat. They're going to be a little bit crazy and you need to be okay with that and you need to give them grace in it. uh, So they're going to make really bad choices and rather than just like freaking out about it, meet mm -hmm. them with the grace of Jesus, even though internally you might be freaking (laughs) out. You know what? Jesus loves you and he can meet you in this place of brokenness. Um, If you're willing to kind of Put aside the shock, and just mm-hmm. meet people uh, that they want to. They want to hang out with you. And then the last thing was depth, and depth mm-hmm. applied to all the other categories in a great way. So they're looking for depth of authenticity. They're looking for people to be really real. They're looking mm-hmm. for depth of responsibility. We're not just gonna, you know, casually hand out water bottles to homeless people, but we're gonna try to meet them and so. their needs and help them and do job training programs. And I'm, ju- I'm just using homeless people as a example, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. necessarily specifically homeless, but in their responsibility, they were looking for depth.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They were looking for depth of connection. Like I was saying, grandmas and grandpas are willing to, rather than kind of freak out or judge them, willing to meet them in a deep way in places of brokenness. Mm-hmm. Um, and then surprisingly, millennials, even Millennials who are not believers were looking for depth of theology hmm. they are looking for somebody who's gonna who's going to teach them the true, deep things of God's word and not shy away because it's not really visitor friendly like oh this mm-hmm. this is a hard truth mm-hmm. so maybe we'll just kind of gloss over that quickly mm-hmm. um, but they're looking for hard truths they're yeah. looking That's- for difficult Things because that's real.
0: Because
1: mm-hmm. um, life isn't easy and it's not self helpish. It's real.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: um, so, anyway, those are four generalities. Now, you know, once I've yeah. said this, like, don't generalize, but <laughs> here's generalities for you to reach out to millennials. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. But I think, yeah. I mean, honestly, it comes down to genuinely having real
0: relationships with people and being willing to invest in them mm-hmm. um, no matter what. Yeah. So, and if you're a if you're a grandma granddad age person, which is surprisingly young, um, now that we're older, it's yeah. <laughs>
1: grandmas and grandfathers are getting younger.
0: Yeah. Like, uh, yeah.
1: Very much. Sixty doesn't seem that old like, anymore.
0: Uh, yeah. Very much. <laughs> yeah. And you know, do you just you go find your college minister, or what do you do in your church? Like, how do you how do you, or like where I'm at, small rural town? There's very few college age students. There's some you know, twenty three, four, five, but yeah, you know, it's few and far between. Where, where do you go if you're that, if you're a grandma and you want to get involved? Yeah. Small towns a little harder. Cause like
1: you're saying, there's not that many college age people. There's not that many young adults. They tend to be migrating to bigger cities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I would say talk to, if you have a young adult or college minister, talk to them. say, Hey, I want to help. How do I help? And mm-hmm. get involved in any way. So you can, um, if the college minister has that kind of, idea of like, Ooh, I don't know. You're kind of old. <laughs> just find somebody. If there's young people in your church, just walk up to them on a Sunday and say, I want to be your friend. Let's, let's get mm-hmm. some coffee. Let's go. Let me take you to lunch today. I'll pay for your lunch. <laughs> let's go get lunch. Um, uh, or be like, Hey, you know, can I cook dinner for you this week sometime, come to my house and hang out. Mm-hmm. And they might be a little bit like, well, why is this person talking to me at first? But Mm -hmm. if they know that you care about them, I think they most likely will come around to it. Mm -hmm. Um, If you don't have any young people in your church, find them. Mm -hmm. Go wherever they are in your town. Mm -hmm. Go find them and try to have a legitimate reason for being where they are. (laughs) So if young people are working as wait staff in this restaurant, go to that restaurant and talk to your waiters and waitresses. Or, you know, if young people are, I don't know, hanging out at Walmart, go to Walmart and try to meet them. Um, uh, I think millennials, millennials are, uh, looking for community. And if they see that they see you a lot, they see you around, Mm -hmm. they're going to start to consider you a part of their, at least the outer circle, a part of the, Hey, those are people that I know. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think that's true, not just for millennials, but for anybody. Anybody.
0: Yeah. You do kind of have to work your way. And some of them. I think it's true that you you're never like if you're sixty, you're never gonna be twenty. You know, like yeah, that's oh yeah, yeah. You're already past that. So you you're not looking to become like this hip cool granddad. You're looking right. to be like, This is the accepted outsider. You know, we, yes. we really like him. He's welcome in our group of twenty people because Yes. Yeah. You know, and and
1: Thank it may you. take
0: yeah it, it may take some while just in my own personal experience and you can talk to it as well. But anytime you go somewhere new, even if it's in the States, you know takes a while to really form relationships and to really kind of get a feel for what's going on. And so I'd say don't back off after the first two times you're there and nothing happens. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's just good mission
1: strategy. Like Mm -hmm. if you're trying to reach a people that's different from you, Mm -hmm. uh, you will never be fully that people group. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to become a millennial by hanging out with (laughs) millennials.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: um but you can become bicultural you can speak their language you can learn about the mm-hmm. things that they like you can you can be like you said the accepted outsider and maybe even the loved and beloved outsider mm-hmm. um and that's mm-hmm. totally okay we mm-hmm. don't need to become fully you know that we need to remove as many barriers to the gospel as possible
0: mm-hmm.
1: and other than that we'll never fully become another type of person you can mm-hmm. you can become bicultural but um, yeah. we don't need to become if I'm going to reach Japan, I don't need to become Japanese. I need to be remove as many barriers as possible, mm-hmm. many barriers as I can I'm going to remove them
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: but I will never in Japanese society, I will never be Japanese.
0: Mm-hmm. There
1: will never be a moment where I walk up to a stranger and they think this guy's Japanese. it's <laughs> not gonna happen,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but they might be surprised that I speak Japanese fluently and know their culture well and and can speak to their daily life. And now I'm not Japanese, but I'm like an accepted outsider. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really, yeah, that's really good missional thinking anyway. But, um, not just in Japan, but anywhere in my own hometown. Yeah. Where the groups of people that are quote unquote, I'm the outsider. Uh huh. Um, and yeah. go to, to meet them where they are.
0: Yeah. One of the most interesting things I read, it's probably been about a year ago now, I read a book called Contagious Disciple Making. Thoroughly love it. But one of the most profound things he said was, if you, if you've been a believer and you're fully immersed in your church for two years, you are no longer the same culture as your buddy you went to high school with, you know, and like you have to become cross-cultural now. Like they talk different, you talk different than you used to, you know, and like, like recognizing that, Hey, like, just cause I'm back in Logan, New Mexico, you know, I've it's going to take some effort and it, it's not just this immediately the same. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's the power when you were talking with your, with your guy, Mark, of him saying, well, find out some of his other friends, you know, let, let them go back out into their community.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think our for a long time, our discipleship strategy in America was have somebody saved and then pull them out as quickly as mm-hmm. possible mm-hmm. and make their schedule busy with church stuff so that they become a whole person. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a more professional strategy is go to meet them where they are mm-hmm. and let their community experience the gospel through this person who's now a believer. Mm-hmm. and in china that works itself out by like hey let's start a new church over here and mm-hmm. now that you guys are a church start a new church over there and now that they're a church start um here in america it might just be like hey let's have this group of growing disciples here and then they mm-hmm. have friends that you can't reach so send them to those friends and then their friends can reach their friends mm-hmm. and i i had this realization maybe six years ago five or six years ago where there's 20,000 students on campus at UH. I will never meet them all. There's no mm-hmm. possible way. Even for me to bump into them on campus, it's just mm-hmm. not going to happen. So there's this hidden part of campus that I will never come in contact with mm-hmm. uh, and probably is way bigger than the part Didn't of campus that I know.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: uh, And I'm trying all the time to expand the part of campus and the people that I know. But mm-hmm. the, the section that I'll never meet is always going to be way bigger. Mm-hmm. but I can meet some people who know people that I will never know. Mm-hmm. And I can send that person to those people. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to know people that, that mm-hmm. I will never know and that my friend will never know. And then they mm-hmm. can reach them. And you know, hopefully that's the idea of like multiplying disciples is that we're reaching farther
0: than we ever could have mm-hmm. um, yeah. on our own. Yeah. Yeah. That's a hundred percent true. Well, I really appreciate your time. I always enjoy a visit. What else have we not talked about that you should tell me about? Um, let me think. Or what question have I not asked you that I should?
1: I think one thing, I, I touched on it, I think maybe for a few seconds, but one of the things I'm always, almost every time we meet, I'm always telling my discipleship guys, it's the best thing I can do for you is to teach you to hear from God on your own. Mm-hmm. Um, and we interpret scripture together in a community. But you need to hear from Jesus on your own. You need to hear from the Holy Spirit on your own. So it's not going to do you any good for us to meet every week and you just hear from me. Mm-hmm. Because eventually I'm going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Even if we're friends for the rest of my life, at some point I'm going to die. right? Mm-hmm. But hopefully way before that, hopefully in the <laughs> next year, you're going to be mm-hmm. independent in that mm-hmm. sense. You're going to yeah. be able to, if you were to pick up and move tomorrow, anywhere in the world. You can read the Bible and hear from God on your own. Mm-hmm. So it's a quick story. I have a couple of friends in Japan that I met in 2010. We've kept in touch. And both of them um, are, the, are the only believers they know in their cities. And they live about an hour from each other by train. Um, so pretty isolated. They're friends together, so they meet up every so often. But they're both pretty isolated. And I'm always telling them, find a church in your town. Find a church. There's got to be a church in your town. Um, But I stayed an extra week this year to to visit some people, and they wanted to go camping, and they were like, hey, when you come, let's study the Bible together. So I was racking my brain thinking, what can I teach these guys that's going to last them for a year or potentially years? Mm -hmm. There's nothing I can teach them from the Bible that will last them. There's no Bible study I could do with them that's Mm going to quote-unquote sustain them. So what's the one thing I can do? And then I was like, oh, dad, it's the same thing I tell all my discipleship guys. The -hmm. best thing I can do for you is to help you hear from Jesus yourself. Mm -hmm. And then Jesus hopefully, and not hopefully, I know Jesus will be working in them. And then those things that I'm trying to encourage them to go to a church, to meet a church, Mm -hmm. Jesus will bring them around to that better than I could. Uh So I thought, okay, how can I teach them? Well, I'm just going to teach them what I teach my guys. I'm going to teach them a hear journal. And the acronym doesn't work in Japanese, (laughs) but the cool thing about Japanese is they're they're used to English acronyms. (laughs) So I'm like, this is a here journal. It's highlight, explain, apply, and respond. Uh So through you know some translation, and it took about two hours to teach them this process.
0: Uh
1: Because one of the guys would translate for me to the other guy, so we were kind of talking together as a group. It took about two hours, and we got sidetracked a few times. But at the end I was like, okay. Let's practice it together right now. We're going to do here journal right now. We're going to take 20 minutes. We're going to read all the same Bible passage. We're going to we're going to go through the here journal. And we're going to talk about it. So we did that and had some things that we talked about. Here's what I got from it and here's what he got from it and here's what you got from it. And um, I got back to Hawaii and a, a few days later I sent them a message and I said, "Hey, are you guys doing the here journal?" And they, said, they sent a message back. Um, I did it once this week, and it was exciting, so I want to try again. So about a week later, I followed up again. Said, hey, did you guys do the Hear Journals? I said, yeah, we've been doing it, and we've done it almost every day this week. And we actually met up once to talk about what our Hear Journals. Uh-huh. I was like really excited because like, I didn't tell them that part of it. <laughs> but they uh-huh. did it on their own. Uh, yeah. And then we have a group chat, and they changed the name of the group. I opened it up one day, a few days later, and they had changed the name of the group chat. I had I had titled it Kansai Boys, because uh, it's the region where they live, and they had changed the name to Men of Integrity. <laughs> and I was like, what's this about? It's like, hey, why did you guys, I like it, but why did you guys change the name? And they said, well, we met to talk about our here journals, and we decided that we want to be Men of Integrity. And I was like, how did you get that? Where did that come from? And they were like, we were just reading the Bible, and we felt like God wants us to be Men of Integrity, so we changed our group chat to that. Mm-hmm. And I was like this is better than I could have ever hoped. Yeah. Like I could have just met with them and been like, here's a Bible study about the assurance mm-hmm. of salvation, or here's a Bible study about you know, whatever, right?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But now they're reading the Bible for themselves. They're meeting together. Mm-hmm. Jesus is teaching them. And mm-hmm. he's a better teacher than me anyway. Yeah. So,
0: And he's foregoing all of the cultural barriers and language barriers. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's,
1: I mean... Honestly, that's the best thing I think you could just teach a disciple, is mm-hmm. to hear and obey Jesus mm-hmm. on their own. Mm-hmm. You hear from you hear from God, you do what He says, and if mm-hmm. you do that, yeah. you don't need me anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know. Mm-hmm.
0: So yeah. I think I think that's the
1: that's the last thing I had to. <laughs> okay.
0: okay, and and real quick, just give me the five minute version of a hear journal.
1: Yes. Okay. Um, hear journal um highlight explain apply and respond so the the formula that we use for for rg groups is um we we have some bible reading plan i love the f260 plan it comes from the replicate um curriculum it's 260 bible passages that you read and i think it's 50 weeks or something like that um mm-hmm. almost a year and it's five readings a week um so you think oh you should read the bible every day of course you should but we're people so we don't um so if you have five readings a week it's easy to catch up because mm-hmm. you're gonna miss a day or two you can most weeks i mean i'm being honest i miss a day or two every week right and then and some days i miss a lot of days there's some weeks i miss a lot of days so those five days gives me it gives me two days a week to catch up uh-huh. and if you're caught up then it gives you two days to work on memory verses or to go back and read something else like uh-huh. hey, I was curious about this one issue, so I'm going to go find a Bible passage that talks about it. Uh-huh. By the way, if you're like really on it, then you have two extra days to study something else. If you uh-huh. are like me and you miss a lot of days, you have two days to catch up. Uh huh. So F260, I really like it. Okay, they also so give let's, you... say,
0: let's say you, the passage for today is Luke 5, 1 through 11. Yeah.
1: So what so, do you do? So for highlight, you you read... You pray first, like, Holy Spirit, speak to me. What do you want me to learn from this, right? Mm -hmm. Because reading the Bible is a supernatural thing. It feels normal. It feels ordinary, but it's a supernatural thing. Mm -hmm. God is speaking to you. So Mm -hmm. pray and ask for God's help. And then you read through it, um, and then you highlight. What's one verse or maybe a couple of verses that the Holy Spirit was highlighting or what Mm -hmm. stood out to me when I read it? Mm -hmm. Um, is how I usually explain that. So if you're reading through and something just jumps, catches your attention, Mm -hmm. pay attention to that and come back to it at the end. So read through the whole thing, come back to the verses that that stood out. Highlight Mm -hmm. those. So write out the verse. You know, Luke 5, verse 6 stood out to me. Write it down. Here's what the verse says. Explain. Okay, what does this verse mean? We're not to an application yet. So all Mm -hmm. you're doing is what is the context of this verse in the larger passage? Um, you know, so for example, Jesus says, ask anything in my name and it will be given to you. Well, you could take that and be like, oh, well, it means whatever I want, Jesus will give to me as long as I say in Jesus. Name. Well, that's not what it says, right? Uh-huh. So explain what this verse means in context. And just a side note, this is where my teaching comes in to the discipleship. If I ever do any teaching, usually it's in the explain section. Because usually it's something they're like, oh, I read this, and this is what it means. And I can come in and say, well, let's think about that a little bit. Are there other Bible verses that might have a different perspective on this? Uh, oh, yeah, there's this one verse. Okay, so maybe that's not the explanation of this, verse, right? um, which is kind of rare, actually. It's a lot rarer than I thought it was going to be. But um, So that's the explain. Explain what this verse means. Apply. This is the part where, okay, now I'm getting real. Uh-huh. And why did this verse stand out to me? Well, it's because I have this issue going on in my life right now. The Bible says to forgive others. Uh, you know, I read this verse that says, you know, that I should forgive others, and so I need to. You know, I'm not forgiving this person, and I'm holding a grudge, and you know, whatever, whatever. And and the Bible tells me I should forgive this person, so this is what I need to apply. And then respond can really it can be anything. Um, it could be a prayer. It could be hey if you're. If you are poetic, you can write a poem. If, you know, maybe sometimes there's a worship song. So you, you sing a worship song to Jesus in your bedroom Mm -hmm. or wherever you are. Um, or it could be, you know, whatever it is, whatever response that you have to what you just read, respond. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a prayer, write out a prayer. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times our response is action steps. So what are some action steps? I had this application. What am I gonna do about it now? so God says told me I need to forgive this person what is a step I can take today uh-huh. to move toward forgiving that person uh-huh. so that's a lot of times that's what response is as action steps uh-huh. so a lot most of the time when I meet up with my guys they'll be like my response was here's my one or two or three action steps uh-huh. A lot of times it's prayers Jesus help me learn to forgive I'm not forgiving. Mm-hmm. And I want to be more like you, so I need to learn to be forgiving. Or, or you know, sometimes it's uh, one of my guys is kind of artsy, and so he likes to write poems. And the poems are, like, really awesome. And I'm like, wow, that was really profound and indeed. Mm-hmm. I like to sing a lot. So sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, a worship song will pop in my head, and it will relate to what I'm reading or learning. Mm-hmm. And so I just will sing it, and then I'll write a little prayer. Lord, help me make this worship song true in my life, or or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's response so highlight explain apply respond and it's just a simple tool and like i said that's that's not for everybody mm-hmm. but i found that it really works for me and for the context of students that i'm working in it really a super simple anybody can do it anybody can teach it mm-hmm. yeah you know at some point i might grow out of it but it's so simple i feel like i It's simple enough that I will never grow out of it, (laughs) you know? Yeah.
0: And it also allows you to be profound enough and deep enough that, you know, you may or may not change, but like you can be as mature in Christ or as, or not even in Christ yet. And you can still apply that, that study at your level. Yeah. And that's, and I think, you know, there's different ones. There's probably four or five of them. That's a new one for me, but four or five similar ones. And yeah. Pick one. It's got to be simple. It's got to be replicable. And it's got to yeah. allow for depth. And, obedience. and honestly,
1: I I tell my guys, it doesn't matter which one. Just pick one. If you mm-hmm. use a different one that works, it doesn't matter. Just do it. Like, I don't yeah. care. Yeah. The most important thing is that you're interacting with Scripture and obeying what it says. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Well, that sounds like a pretty good report, John. I'll be uh, maybe next year after you've had these guys out and you've... Uh, Mold it over some more. Either we'll visit or, if, but if I'm going to visit and learn something, I feel like I might as well put it on the podcast and then, yeah, of course. And I get some good, uh, good content out of that.
1: But my greatest hope is that if you call me again in a year, I'll be able to say, Hey, we've got three young adult working discipleship group groups mm-hmm. going. Like that would be mm-hmm. my, my wildest dreams. Uh-huh. So we would have young adult discipleship groups going uh-huh. somewhere in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. Would love
0: that. I'm gonna have a guy on the podcast somewhere uh the next two or three weeks. I'll probably interview him, and so his we met him last week, and he his wife was saying, you know, more than anybody I know, Todd has been better about getting out and still discipling people while working a full time job. So uh whenever that one comes on, I'll try to send you a link, and you can yeah send it to you me. You can send it me the link.
1: Send me the link anyway. I want to go back and hear some of your previous podcasts.
0: Well, did that get you excited about discipling and reaching millennials? You know, when I think about it, I think if Jesus was walking on the earth today, if this is when he had come and he was choosing his disciples, I'm pretty sure he would have chosen a few millennials. So let's do the same thing and see if we can go about discipling millennials and helping them learn to make disciples of all nations. Hope you're enjoying the podcast. Do us a favor and uh, give us a review on iTunes. Until next week, we'll see you then.